Hey, Sam. Yeah, Don? What's the word? Tolerance. Tolerance is the art of seeing yourself as others see you and not getting mad about it. Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. So tolerance is the art of seeing yourself as others see you. Sam, how do you see me? Well, Don, you can think of the human eye as a pinhole camera. The light passes through the lens and projects an image <laughs> oh, onto okay, the retina okay. uh, where specialized cells mm -hmm. called rods and cones okay. send information to the brain. Now, that image is upside down, but the... You're very literal. You're, that's <laughs> not what... Oh, okay. Okay, I see you in a little box on my we're laptop still, screen we're still okay i see you as being a literalist <laughs> i thought you kind of saw me as being a bit of a smart ass, but okay i'm I literally me, precocious you. yeah you're precocious all right <laughs> and a wee bit incorrigible how others see me is that's why i've got a sponsor because i can't see myself yeah I mean, you've got this thing about a a, a bald spot right yeah, well, yeah, I've shared this before. I've got <laughs> I've got a beautiful full head of hair, which every time I look in the mirror, it's like, oh, isn't that nice? But I'm told by my sponsor that I have a bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it, but if everybody else is saying, yeah, you got a bald spot, maybe I really do have a bald spot. <laughs> well, no one's told me I have a bald spot, and I ain't looking for it either. But what about other character defects? Although those are just characteristics, Don. They're not character defects. They're character uh, features. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Special features. <laughs> you have special features. On the next episode of the Half Hour Variety Hour, we will be taking Sam's inventory. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a special feature of the Half Hour Variety Hour. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What we got going on today? Today we're having coffee with Olivia, and later she's going to be answering a question from Joe, a listener who called in. You folks can call in with a question or recovery-related joke at 212-870-3418. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Now, let's get to know Olivia a little bit. Hey, Olivia, alcoholic living in Sparta, North Carolina. For those of you who don't know where that is, <laughs> It's 30 minutes north of North Wilkesboro, up on the Virginia border. Land of nowhere. It's the land of nowhere. Do they have AA meetings there? You know what? When I moved up here, they did not. Really? What do you do if you move somewhere where there's not an AA meeting? Well, you got to carry a resentment and a coffee pot with you first, right? No. Well, I, I just went ahead and started it. They had one, and 
it had lapsed. And so we started back up. Wow, that's fantastic. What was that like? Did people come right away? Well, let me, let me throw in one more fact here. All right. My sobriety date is uh, June 25th of 1983. I'm glad I have that date because as a joke, I say it's six months before Jesus's birthday because I'm more important. <gasps> but I actually had a lot of reservations. Well, I had a lot of reservations about moving up here because I had been living in Raleigh which has more than 1,800 people, which is what Sparta has. It's a little bit more cosmopolitan. Sam, Sam's been up here. He knows. Oh, yeah. There's a nice coffee shop or two up there. I mean, you know. Yeah. What more do you need? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you find the alcoholics in the coffee shop? No, actually, I went to a Galax meetings, which is 30 minutes away. Okay. People were like, well, you have to drive to meetings. I thought, well, I had to do that in Raleigh anyway. It was, you know, 30 minutes away. It was not unusual for a meeting. I met some people in the Galax meeting who live in Sparta, and we just started the meeting back up. It's, you oh, know, makes sense to me. Tell a little bit about the meeting. What's the format? When's it meet? What's the name? Very clever. It's the Sparta, Sparta group. Ah, so <laughs> original. <laughs> Well, originally it had been named that. So Sparta Downtown Group, like there's such a large <laughs> The downtown group. I mean, we do have four traffic lights. <laughs> so how many people attend? We've had anywhere from, say, three to 12. Uh-huh. So we're not talking about a lot of people, but it's consistent. We meet on Wednesdays and have a discussion group, and then we meet on Mondays and have a literature group. I like that you're you're doing twice, but you've got a discussion meeting. You've got a literature meeting. That's fantastic. And we have newcomers who come in too. Oh, good. The one thing I have never understood is why it lapsed. I was told you never stop going to meetings. If this is somebody's home group, why did you quit coming? You know, some people died, of course, but um, and that's their excuse for not. Well, up. meetings do meetings do have a strange flow where they'll get large. I mean, it's a, yes. I've been sober for a long time as well, and you'll see a meeting just get to be really large, and five years later, there's five people there, so you, there's no telling with the ebb and flow. And I've seen that too, but for a meeting just to stop. Yeah. And it had stopped for several years. And actually, uh, I've been coming up here for 20 some years. Mm -hmm. And when I'd be up here, I would go to the meeting and there was no meeting. And I'm like, well, what do you do now? And what you're talking about is, you know, this meeting folded before COVID hit. So it wasn't a, a product of the shutdown or anything Correct. like that. It folded several years before COVID. Olivia, so what was it like for you to get sober? Why did you quit drinking? <laughs> it became a little dangerous, probably. Well, I started drinking when I was like 14 or 15. I was blackout drinking by 17. I just I just couldn't stop. You know, I went to try to get some treatment the first time when probably around 1976. I don't know. I, was, I wasn't even out of college. I had always wanted to drink, but I just didn't want it drink. I didn't want to have to be tied to it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I thought drinking was great. I thought it was wonderful. But, you know, I didn't think wrecking a car was great. I didn't oh. think worrying about the police was great. I didn't think watching people get killed was great. Things like that. Um, or winding up 
I know y'all have never done this. Winding up in strange places with strange people. <laughs> you know, totally what I'm hearing is like, I loved drinking and I did I just it. like you. The consequences sucked. Well, I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee. And when I was over there, I mean, I knew the police. I knew the lawyers. I knew the judges. I had really no fear of what would happen. Basically, you know, I, I didn't worry about the consequences of the police or the legal stuff. But then when I made my geographic cure to Raleigh and I had no plan to wind up in Raleigh, no plan whatsoever, I wound up in Raleigh by way of Fort Lauderdale drunk on the train, basically. Oh, wow. I had not planned to do it. Just It just happened. And I wound up getting sober again in Raleigh. I had gone to AA in Johnson City and it just didn't take it. I, I wasn't ready. I wanted, I didn't want the consequences like you're talking about, uh, but I didn't want to quit drinking. I was too young, too smart. Was there some event? Yeah, but I don't know if I want to tell it. <laughs> gotcha. Let's just say I wound up in a place I didn't want to be. And that's when you decided the consequences were great enough? You know, I had known the consequences were great enough for a long time. I had trouble holding a job. I had trouble keeping a place to live. I never knew from one day to the next where I was going to be, what I was going to be doing. And that got old. I mean, I had a college education. It's like, come on, this is ridiculous. And I saw my friends going on, having great careers. And, you know, I, I'm like, I mean, I had grown up. I was a scout leader. I was a church youth leader. I was all the, the good things in life, but I was a drunk. Mm. And I had the conflict with that just drove me crazy. I thought, you know, you know, there's a better life out there, but you just can't seem to find it. And I was thinking recently about the key to willingness. I think some days I, I just kind of dropped the key and had to go and look for it again. Hmm. I, you know, the first time I got sober, I was like 20 or 21. I went back out and stayed drunk for several more years. So about eight more years. I finally said, you know, there's a there's a different way. And actually, the way I got back to AA after about seven or eight years was I was in a bar in Raleigh. Let's just say I, I won't say I fell in love. I fell in whatever, you know, got picked up in this bar. <laughs> well, it was the gay bar at Five Points. And this woman I was with, she said, after about a couple of weeks, she said, look, I, I want to tell you something. I'm like, OK, what? She said, well, I'm in AA. I said, oh, hell, I've been in that. She says, yeah, and I think you need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I have never run into anybody who's had that happen. Now, I'm sure it wow. has, but I got back to AA, and even with going back then, it took me about from October till the next June to finally get sober and stay sober. What was the biggest obstacle? Fear. Fear of what? Fear of being sober and what that would mean. It is a big unknown, isn't it? Yeah. Would I be the hole in the donut? I mean, yeah. what was going to happen? And plus, at the time, it's not so much now. The gay community was so wrapped up in the bar scene. Oh, yeah. You know, there was not a whole lot of things outside of that. So I finally just had to put my trust in the process. And I tell people, you may not trust God, you may not trust whatever, but trust the process of this program. And that's what I finally had to do. Just walk in and keep quiet and just 
don't drink one day at a time and do what was suggested. And it wasn't easy, but I knew my life was going to be a, a, well, real show if I kept it up. Mm -hmm. I knew I was probably going to be dead, truthfully. So when you went in and were willing to take those suggestions, what were they? What did you do? Well, one, I'll, I'll share this. God willing, the last time I picked up a white chip, it was white chip time. And they said, okay, anybody need another white chip? Well, here I was for the hundred millionth time getting another white chip. And Jim just held it up and said, you know, we have other colors. <laughs> oh boy. I thought you bastard. I will never get another white chip from you. <laughs> and that's what it took from me. I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to show you all that I can do this. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge. And it took people believing in me, too, uh, that I could do it. And I got a sponsor. It was a woman who was so kind and so calm and unlike me. And and the, my worst fear was to tell her I was, you know, a, a lesbian. And, and, of course, then when she shared hers, come to find out she had, had been in a gay men's group in New York and didn't even realize it for a long time. <laughs> I mean, she was, she was pretty much a wreck. So, you know, and it took just opening up. And I think it took for me to be in a larger town too, rather than where I had grown up and people I didn't know and people who didn't know my history and people who, who could help me and who I was willing for them to, to help me too. And willingness, the key to willingness was a lot of it. I went to meetings I was scared not to go. I mean, I went to, I'm sure I did 90 and 90, but for a long time, I did at least six or seven a week. And I'll have to say the gay group there really helped me to overcome my fear of who I was and what I was and what I didn't want you to see and so forth and so on. You found acceptance. Yes. Uh, the gay groups for me were paramount in my early recovery because when I went to a gay meeting, I didn't have to worry about being gay. And I was right. worried about being gay in the mainstream meetings. Mm -hmm. And so I got comfortable with AA. And then I went to the mainstream meetings and lo and behold, there were gay people in them. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> so there was acceptance all throughout AA. Yeah. Correct. And Raleigh has one of the oldest gay meetings in the nation. So I was lucky I wound up there drunk on the train from Fort Lauderdale. Luck or God, I don't know. I'm not going to question it. There you go. <laughs> so, Olivia, I have witnessed your acerbic wit on stage at Roundhouse. Oh, no. <laughs> That's something that you found in your sobriety, that you had that, or was it always there? <laughs> it was. It's always been there. Um, <laughs> If you can't have fun in sobriety, what's the use? Thank you. What is the point of getting sober if I can't enjoy living? I wouldn't want to do it. I don't want to trudge that hard. So, Olivia, what's your sobriety like today? How do you stay sober today? Some days I wonder. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, the road narrows the longer I'm sober because it's not anymore a matter of, oh, well, I take a drink today. Chances are I won't, but it's always out there. But, you know, there's so many other things. You were talking about tolerance. I still have to work on that. I know at one point in my sobriety, my sponsor said, for 
God's sake, would you get a dog or a cat cause so you can learn some patience and tolerance? And I got an Australian shepherd that I had to take to the dog psychologist the first couple of months I had her. And damn it, she lasted 15 years. But for today, you know, the pandemic changed a lot and moving up here because moving from a large town to a really small place, I had to look a lot within myself and learn to be happy with me. There weren't a lot of diversions and uh, distractions. And I've talked to other people who have long-term sobriety and the same thing goes on. I mean, you don't, I can't blame my mother for anything anymore. She died. Uh, I'm living in her, well, it's my house, but I'm living where she used to live. Um, that's been interesting. You know, there are a lot of ghosts that got put to rest. I don't have a partner anymore after 20 years. I can't blame her for anything, damn it. And it's more of a personal growth thing now. I look around and go, well, you didn't do this, this, and this. So um, guess you need to dig in a little bit more and get with it. And it, it really is just looking at life in a different way. Plus being retired, moving up here, pushing. I mean, I'm 67. It's like, hmm. There's a lot to just deal with to be kind of grateful in a way or just be okay with where I am in life. I think that the pandemic forced all of us to deal with that on a certain level. I mean, that was one of the things that is really interesting about the isolation that happened during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. You couldn't go out and you had to be at home. I mean, one of the things I realized, I was thinking about today, oh, I've got to go to the bank and I got to go to the drugstore and I got, and a lot of those things I don't have to do. Right. I could put all those things off and do them all at once together in one trip, which means, oh, I've just got to sit here with me. <laughs> yeah. And I was really fortunate during that to be at home with my husband and we actually get along. That's a fortunate part too. But when I was keenly aware of my friends who were single during that mm -hmm. time, especially my single friends in recovery who were going through this lockdown in solitude, complete solitude, except for thankfully, you know, we did have communications available over the phone and, and video and online meetings and stuff like that cropped up really quickly. But still, there was Thank goodness. notable isolation, not solitude, but isolation that people were experiencing. Yeah. But, you know, in that, I thought, okay, what have you always wanted to do? And there's so many things I can do that don't include other people. You know, mm -hmm. I probably have crocheted 500 hats. <laughs> so what the I hell do one. you do with them? I'll give you my address after the show. Yeah. <laughs> some, of them are, some of them are actually pretty neat, actually. <laughs> the cat butt coasters. There's all kinds of stuff I've done. Um, <laughs> What else have you wanted to do? You wanted to write because I've always wanted to do that. Well, then do it. You know, I have no excuses anymore. I can finally be the person I always wanted to be. And here's the kicker. As I was complaining about something one time, I had a sponsor who said, well, you, do you want to put that much effort into it? I'm like, no. She's like, well, then, then shut up. <laughs> so either I can put that much effort into something or let it go. That's that practical advice. Live your way into right thinking rather than think your way into right living. Yeah. Oh, man. Olivia, thanks so much for visiting with us. But I want you to stick around because we got that question for the old timer. Oh, boy. 
It's time for Ask the Old Timer. Got a question for an old timer? Call in and record it at 212-870-3418 or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. And now let's ask the old timer. Yeah, hi, my name is Joe. I'm from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. The reason I'm calling, I have a question for the old timer. So in the chapter, We Agnostics, they capitalize several words referring to God, such as creative intelligence, spirit of the universe, realm of the spirit, etc. And then it comes down to reason. My question is, why is reason capitalized in We Agnostics? It says, perhaps we lean too heavily on reason. That last mile and we did not like to lose our support. All right, thank you. Bye. I wish I had an answer for that. Other than I I can still do that. I can still reason my way out of anything. I can still justify anything. That is an interesting question. I don't know. And I Mm. think a lot of us, uh, or I know I have, um, used reason as a God. but. You know, the yes, buts, yes, but, yes, but. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept me drunk for a long time. I don't know. If you find out an answer, let me know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm with you on that. And I never noticed this. Thanks for the question, Joe, because that just like, whoa, there's a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Reason capitalized there. Reason was my God. Mm-hmm. And reason still can be in not sure. bad ways. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm I, I'm atheist. I'm very scientifically minded, logic oriented, that kind of stuff. Perhaps my reason was more like Loki from Norse mythology. You know, the jokester because it's always <laughs> fooling me. And today, one of the best tools that I have for my use of reason is talking with others about things as well. Mm-hmm. I think relooking at it. Bill had some quirks in the way that he wrote. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times it's arbitrary. And sometimes, you know, we analyze all the words really carefully because now this is a sacred text written by Bill W. Why did he use a different word for higher power here and that sort of thing? And it may just be he wanted a different word to keep from repeating himself. He had just bought a thesaurus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and and that's what different words are for. I think that capitalizing words the way that he's using it there is it was customary to capitalize important nouns. And so he's listing all these moral principles and reason is one. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to set it off. He wants to make a point that we're talking about not just reasoning, but we're talking about the idea of reason as a higher power. So he capitalized it to set it off from just being thinking. Man, Joe, I got to thank you again for this question. I I know that there are some groups out there that are listening to the podcast and doing their meeting topic from it. Um, (laughs) This ought to be a good one. It really would be. It is a fascinating question. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Olivia. Fantastic. This wasn't as painful as I thought it would be. Oh, now, wait, you're implying that there was some. (laughs) 
The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15th, 2022. Our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15, 2022 via aagrapevine.org share. can be treated. Will? What will? I'm going to make a list of all the people I'm going to bite. They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., we don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.